0: Welcome to Everything Leftover, uh, our podcast about the leftovers. HBO's The Leftovers, um, and I was I was in some preparation. I was looking at other podcasts, right? Right. And um, this actually isn't one I found on iTunes. I saw it on sub on uh, on Reddit. I can't remember where though. But it, when I searched for it, it didn't show up in iTunes. But it's called the Guilty Remnant, right? right? And like I get the intention, right? To like, it's cl- it's like, you know, from the show, it's from the book, it's like a clever name or whatever. But at the same time, like, do you wanna name yourself? Like, the Guilty Remnant are kind of like creeps. Like, do you wanna name yourself after them? You know what I mean? Like, it's like having like, um, it's like having like a World War Two podcast and naming your podcast, The Third Reich. <laughs> Right, I knew you were going there, isn't it? The though? Nazis are so easy. Such an <laughs> yeah, e- I know, especially I mean- <laughs> for you. Such an easy comparison. <laughs> but at the to same make. time, it's like I understand the want to like name it something clever, but at the same time, like you're naming it after like a bunch of creeps, more or less. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, I guess one of the questions is. Are they creeps in the context? I well, mean, yeah, do and I'm not trying to
0: like, I'm not trying to like throw shade on any other podcast. Oh, I mean, It was come just on. something I was thinking about. If there's
1: anything <laughs> we're not about, it's throwing <laughs> shade at people or podcasts. We're not about that at all.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, what we are about is the leftovers. <laughs> Everything leftover. That's um, right. So we're just going to be talking about the show. We'll be talking about spoilers in terms of anything that's been on the show that has aired so up to episode one for this right discussion and we will be talking a little bit about the book because you've read the book i have not Mm -hmm. Um, and
1: i'm going to refer to our show as leftovers leftovers (laughs) sure just because that's my choice that we didn't go for that's, uh,
0: that's good i like that too okay um Maybe we just stick with that and just be like the lukewarm leftovers. Right? right. That's about the same as calling it like the guilty remnant.
1: Or we could just change the heat of the leftovers based on <laughs> our like of the episode. Right. This episode, we are the piping hot right. the fully leftovers. cooked leftovers. The fully cooked leftovers. Yeah. And then we'll be the spoiled leftovers when it's really... <laughs> right. But we're still the, here to the eat. The moldy they'll, leftovers. That'll be our, our
0: tag. Yeah. Um so the first episode. What was it called? It was called Pilot. That's right. Pretty unimaginative if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking with that. Um yeah, so the pilot episode uh aired last night and um I guess let's just talk general impressions of the episode as a whole. What how did you feel? I guess how did you feel and how do you think it what were your expectations um, for the show having read the book mhm is it what you expected i guess is it sort of like did does it sort of congeal with your feelings from the book
1: yeah well i'll say that i am i've realized now i'm not a fan of reading a book and then watching like a film or tv show really really that was something that i really thought i would be all about kind of knowing the backstory right. of and That's what I did with Game of Thrones. I'd never heard of the book series until the show started. Right. As soon as the show started, I read all the books as quickly as possible. Yeah. And now with this one, I was interested in how the adaptation would work. So I read it. And I ended up not liking the book. With mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, I love the books. But what I realized is, I really do spoil myself on all the... Um, like the like the plot details yeah and, and and the and the twists, so in this show, the big reveal at the end who the uh who the chief of police's wife is, I already knew and saw that coming, and I guess my first question for you would be you know did well, I guess maybe
0: I'm jumping ahead of myself well, no that. Yeah, we are jumping ahead a little bit, but that was something I wanted to ask you. Yeah, like, that like, was like how
1: did that... Yes, it, it it was. I guess that is... I jumped to that when you asked me my general impressions of the show because that was my overall feeling of the show. Is I'm too busy correlating what's in the right. book, what's not in the book. And I can appreciate the twist, but I can't gauge if the twist landed at all.
0: Right. And uh, I think luckily, I guess in that terms at least... You know, we had read or I had heard that Damon Lindelof said that only the first two episodes really pertain to the book or yes. follow along with the book. So in terms of the book, like at what I guess at what point is that revealed in the book? That's not revealed like halfway through the book, is it? Or- it's right up front. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, it's it, it, okay. It's right. It's right up front and there's a, a directness I felt like in the book mm-hmm. in terms of the characters that the show lacked, mm-hmm. which I guess I ended up appreciating because it adds an element of, I don't know where they're going with right. this either. The,
0: the pilot is pretty obtuse. Exactly. Even if you know the premise of the show. Yes. And have an idea and of what's read going the on. Book. It's, it is a little, it's a little, it's, it's like almost less than an introduction. You know what I mean? I, I feel like it serves as a good introduction. For mm-hmm. me, it, it worked on some levels. Um it felt very stiff like just the acting um like a lot of the dialogue um the a lot of the dialogue just seemed like very boilerplate you know what i mean like kind of standard kind of agree standard fare especially um the dinner scene right between the dad between um Kevin Garvey and Jill his daughter And especially during that scene, I couldn't really get a feel like I I I remember expecting. I actually actually I went I watched the pilot twice. Okay. I watched it last night and then I watched it again at work. Okay. Um, just to kill some time. Oh okay. And to brush up. Right. Um, to more or less confirm what I was thinking about it. Um, but I remember during that dinner scene, there was a point where I thought like. They're going to almost like it almost felt like they were playing characters for the for his daughter's friend And they were going to like break that character at some point and then be like a real father and daughter You know what I mean? But they never did and they just kept along with more or less like the same father-daughter dinner scene You've seen in like literally every other TV show you've ever watched Right. You know what I mean? The surly daughter. Yeah, and And it's kind of like the daughter's starting to rebel the fathers like doesn't really know what to do about it
1: and, and i think that's part of what
0: i got from the book and part
1: of what i get from the show is that they're interested in how human relationships continue and perpetuate after a moment like this yeah and play against the backdrop of something like two percent of people you know just disappearing all of a sudden yeah and so i I guess at moments like that, you're. it's supposed to add that kind of either bizarre feeling of what you know this is playing out against. Where in other shows, it's just this is the family dynamic and it doesn't matter if the parents are divorced or not. The daughter's going to be rebelling, you know, yeah. the father's going to be trying to do his best so I, I guess there's that feeling too that for me pervaded the 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 pilot this feeling of like eerie displacement mm-hmm. where that what happened has changed the dynamic of everything that followed after it mm-hmm. it's just like you know 9 11 where you have this tragedy and then afterwards everything is kind of tinged with that tragedy. It informs everything that happens after, even if you can't place your finger on it. Mm -hmm. And I thought the pilot did a good job of that, of this kind of creating this atmosphere that all these relationships were playing out against of kind of like a nightmare. And that happens in Kevin, Garvey's character, Mm -hmm. at the end when he just asks that kind of open-ended question where he's like, Oh, am I awake? Am I awake? Mm -hmm. And I thought that they did, they did a really great job of blurring that line of reality mm-hmm. in in the pilot and creating that sense of unease that all those familiar tropes kind of played out against. Mm-hmm. So I thought they were successful in that. In and, and the moments where it wasn't as successful, I'm willing to kind of give it a pass to see how it plays out. And some of the ways that it didn't work for me were in the obtuseness Mm -hmm. of in the obfuscation of certain characters in moments. Like, how did you feel about Holy Wayne? You know, Tom, Kevin's son, picks up the senator. He's taking him to see Wayne. And, Mm -hmm. you know, afterwards, the senator walks out and he is unburdened. But you have no idea what happens. I know what Holy Wayne does. Mm -hmm. And it did make me feel like, don't tell me that that's going to be like a big reveal. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. make what he does into a big reveal. Yeah. Did did you feel like that was another, like, portentous moment of, like,
0: what does Holy Wayne do? Or did you just, were you just not? I guess there's not a, I guess it wasn't. hmm. I I think a lot of this needs to be framed in, in, you know, with the context of this being. The first episode and the only episode so far, you know, so like a lot that I've seen on Reddit is like people getting on there and being like, I'm so sick and tired of these shows that do this and they don't explain anything. And right. it's just like, well, you know. Give it a moment. Yeah, you've seen one episode so far. <laughs> exactly. So with the Holy Wayne thing, I feel like if that's something that I feel like if that's something that is um built up to The season finale. Finale. What? Holy Wayne. It's not going to work. You know what I mean. It's going to. No matter what he does, it's going to seem like false, and it's going to be a letdown. Um. Holy Wayne himself, I felt was like in a show full of more or less like pretty dull acting and writing. I felt like Holy Wayne was like this strange, almost like borderline cartoonish villain right like he's doing some like crazy face acting when he's talking to Tom he's like manipulating and twisting his face in all sorts of way and he's like being really over the top so I did not particularly care for Holy Wayne I just felt like I just felt like it was too much I really hope that you know that sort of gets dialed back a little bit you know what I mean um,
1: well I, I I think part of it is interesting I'm going to be interested how they play with flashbacks in as the show goes along because and, and this is another thing that I picked up on some comments first of all, the amount of people complaining about this show and comments I think is pretty ridiculous for the reason that you said, give the show a moment you right. know to breathe and to, Explain itself a little bit. Yeah. And don't jump to conclusions because of who's doing it. Damon Lindelof. Right. And Lost. Right. right? So th- th- there's that certain aspect where uh, people need to, I think, calm down a bit in-, in complaining about it. Yeah. But I feel like you also have this weird dynamic where I kept thinking about films that address time travel, mm-hmm. where you either address it head on right up front and you say, this is how our time travel works. Get on with the narrative. Right. Or you kind of never explain it and you just leave it as a mystery unexplained that people just need to deal with. Mm -hmm. And on this show, I think it's interesting on how you balance that. Whereas there are characters like Holy Wayne, what he does, the guilty remnant, what they do, why they do the things they do those character moments um and then you have like the big overall mystery mm-hmm. the the departure what happened to everybody yeah what happened to everybody and how they're they balance those things i'm i'm really interested in but with the holy wayne character we are three and a half years or basic we're three years into this thing yeah and so i think holy wayne has been going for three years mm-hmm. so i think that's another thing to to give context to these characters is that we are seeing Holy Wayne after maybe he's doing his ministry. So maybe three years ago, he wasn't doing crazy face acting right. and he wasn't playing with a knife yeah. and he wa- and he didn't have a, at least one Asian non-wife <laughs> wife. Oh maybe? no, they're all Asians. I watched it right. again. Yeah, they right. are all Asian. A harem of yeah. Asian women. Yeah. Maybe he didn't have all that. And so my, what I'm interested in is how they're going to deal maybe with flashbacks to answer some of those, you know, character questions even more, than I'm more, even more than I'm curious about how they're going to deal with the departure. And I guess that was my question to you too. Do you feel more engaged by the character questions or are, were you even in the pilot thinking about they need to explain the departure?
0: Yeah, I think what I think that caught me off guard as well because, especially going into it with Damian Lind Lin, with Damon Lindelof having work on Lost, worked on Lost, I was expecting or maybe worried about answering the question of what happened, to everyone, and after watching you know the first episode, at least the first episode. Uh, it was not a concern at all. Now, if the i you know, I think if the series goes on and the mystery becomes about the departure, like how the mystery on Lost became about the island, right? That I think that's going to be an issue, because I, just like you know, what Wayne does to heal people, I feel like no matter what, that's going to be if it's built up, it's going to be a disappointment. You know what I mean? E- exactly. Um, so I liked that it wasn't really. You know, it's addressed in the show, but I guess I didn't feel like it was ever a focus.
1: And so I guess you do seem to be more engaged with the character mysteries yeah, yeah, than the overall mystery. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, the, the you know, the, the, well, let's talk about the guilty remnant, sort of what they stand for, who they are. um, And the, the one, the one thing that, that caught me that I was thinking about with the guilt with the guilty remnant and the, that what they seem to share in common with Holy Wayne Mm -hmm. is they both seem to be upset that people aren't acknowledging what happened, Mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, like, that seems like, first of all, that seems like the central theme of the show, right? Like, how people would deal with a tragedy like this. But I also don't know, like, what do they expect people to do? Like, does the guilty remnant expect everyone in mapleton new york to, to not talk to stop talking and smoking constantly like is that what they expect people to do the deal with grief, with grief or with the disappearance like it just seems strange to me and as someone who's like experienced a loss a pretty mm-hmm. significant loss or a very significant loss i should say um like you do deal with it by just going on with your life, you know, what right. I mean, like that's kind of, and that. And so that's what I'm hoping to see out of the show. Right. And I'm hoping, you know, I think building up to it, everyone's talking about how it deals with grief and, you know, and dealing with the loss of family members and stuff like that. And, you know, after the first episode, it seems like they're being really heavy on the more, uh, they're being really heavy on the more uh, sort of like bombastic stuff with the guilty remnant and Wayne. And they're letting the, you know, they're just sort of like have letting the dinner between the father and daughter be the dealing with grief. But it's like, you really have to like stretch to believe that or to, to get there, you know they, what I mean? Mm-hmm. To believe that that's what that scene is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one of my concerns. Uh, you know, and it's, You know, I hope it's there that I mean that I think that's I think that would be that to me is the most interesting question or would be the most interesting avenue is having a show actually deal with it in this way that's not like people crying, you you know, bawling on each other's shoulders nonstop or whatever. It's just a sort of like depicting sort of the day to day mundaneness of moving on with life after losing someone significant.
1: Right. And I think. I think it touches on that with characters like Nora, a lady who spoke at the parade, who lost lost her her whole whole family. family. I think that's something that you'll be able to explore in different characters. And I found it interesting. It really did reveal Kevin's grief as being unique in the fact that he didn't technically lose anybody. That right. he lost people for other reasons outside right. of this, which almost makes it, which kind of explains his rage. Yeah. Which is one thing that I felt like they changed in the book. I don't remember him being an angry person in the book. Mm-hmm. I remember him being a little more kind of resigned and, you know, circumspect than he is in this. This, he's just like a ball of rage, mm-hmm. you know, that, that first episode um and so i found that uh, interesting and i think we will be able to see grief dealt differently as we learn more about these characters so yeah i think that's something that i do like that they that they're doling out and i will say really quickly a show that i think fell off really quickly was the killing and mm-hmm. i watched the first two seasons of that and the first season was all about grief but it was like in your face right up front let's like <laughs> shove your face in right. grief yeah. for like four straight episodes and then after that, i was like okay now let's get on with the plot and that did not work for a lot of reasons and i feel like the leftovers is pacing their grief exploration yeah. well they're introducing yeah. characters that i think they will be able to do that more
0: yeah and I, I just wanted to say really quickly that i did really like that um that justin Thoreau's character kevin hasn't actually lost anybody. Right. And that and and that was the one of the things that I thought worked really well um, and expl kind of explained a lot was that bar scene towards the end of the show where he runs into the mother the from mother the from opening. The mm-hmm. Um and he you can just like see this like there come like at the end where he's just like, you know, well, we're still here, and it's just like you realize like he just doesn't get it. You know what I mean? right like, he's he's trying, it seems like he's trying. Um, and it almost seems like he might have this positive outlook because he didn't lose anybody, but he just doesn't get it. And I, I, I for whatever reason, I really like that, that he hasn't lost anybody, that he's kind of... Right. And, and I, I think that kind of speaks to maybe the role of the audience, like because no one's ex- experienced that before, someone just vanishing from thin air. So that's probably, you know, more or less his role.
1: Right. And I feel like he doesn't believe what he's saying to her. I feel like he's trying to say what he thinks maybe Mm -hmm. is right to say. Right. He obviously, by the rest of the episode does not believe what he's saying. Like he's obviously not happy or thankful to actually still be there. Um, Really quick, going back to, to, you know, you brought up the guilty remnant. One question, and I've heard this said in some of the things I've read today, and I agree with it. I think the guilty remnant is one of the best things that the book has to offer Mm -hmm. as an invention. I think it's great. My question, though, is that I was left after reading the book and after watching this pilot. Is the way that they are established enough to get the buy-in that you would need for these people to do what they're doing? Take Justin or Thoreau, I was going to say, or Kevin's wife. Mm -hmm. Lori, Mm -hmm. you you experience this insane, crazy event that doesn't, as far as we know, affect anybody that you specifically know, but it causes in you a disassociation, I guess, with the world that then causes you to join a group that does not talk, that smokes constantly, and that is assigned to follow people in your town who you grew up with, who you know, Potentially even your own family members. And as we see at the end, there's no unifying belief system that they even care to go over with the person. Mm-hmm. Liv Tyler's character, I forgot her name in the Meg. show, Meg, she shows up at the end to join, walking away from her fiance, her life. I I am always struck with kind of where. Where's that by? Bi- I, I, is that something that could only happen in the face of an unexplainable tragedy? Do you feel like, or do you think right now, today, if people started some kind of weird cult and just said, We're not going to tell you anything about our beliefs, we're just going to do these things, that it would attract?
0: I think there are certain people that would be drawn to that you know and i think of course some sort of disaster like that would probably exacerbate it yeah multiply did, those did, people did you buy it for people like meg and
1: maybe lori well this is
0: well that's actually one thing i did want to talk about but really quickly i want to say that i um i am very happy i know i may be in the minority with this but i'm very happy liv tyler's joining a cult where nobody talks because her like <laughs> whisper voice drives me crazy. That is the worst. Um, but one of the things that, 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 uh, one of the questions I had, and that um, seemed to be showing up a lot online, and everyone sort of assumed that, um, In the bar scene, when Kevin is talking to the woman from the opening, she asks where he was during the disappearance. And then it has a flashback. And everyone assumed it was a flashback to him having an affair. Right. Right? Um, And that's what makes sense to me. Right. Um, But what I'm worried about is that instead of the disappearance, then having such a sort of uh, such an effect on, on Lori that she goes to join this cult I'm afraid that it's more going to be about her husband having an affair finding out that he was having an affair and that and that her- driving her to the cult and I feel like if that and you know of course that's speculation but I mean it would make sense in terms of like TV history you know what I mean It's or I would just maybe like fictional history you know what I mean it just seems <laughs> like affairs are seem to be a go-to sort of like plot point or like a go-to catalyst for things and i don't know if that's addressed in the book but like that would be very disappointing to me like you were more or less skirting the entire theme of the show if that were true
1: right Uh, the one thing in a culture where subversion of expectation is now the primary goal in a lot of our art yeah post Game of Thrones, Red Wedding, Ned Stark. I feel like it would be amazing if the reveal of that was actually Kevin having sex with Lori, and mm-hmm. they just randomly flashed back to <laughs> him having passionate <laughs> sex with his wife <laughs> right. and he just didn't want to embarrass <laughs> yeah the lady who asked the question. Like, yeah. that would be a true moment of <laughs> subverting expectation that I think would be great. Yeah, I... I I guess it's it's interesting in the sense of how do you decide, like in Lost, what is worth answering and exploring and what is not, including character motivations for what they do. I feel like with The Guilty Remnant, that is one cult group and the people involved in it That is one kind of like hill that I feel like I would need to die on as a writer. Like we have to answer that question. Mm -hmm. Who started the guilty remnant? What were they started out of? Mm -hmm. What is their system of belief? Because they obviously are identifying a God because they're guilty remnant of something. Yeah. What what is the source of their guilt? What are they asking these people to remember? Are Are they just... Asking them to remember the loss, are they ask, asking them to remember the act of people disappearing? Right.
0: None of that is clear. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like, how do they want them to do this? Because like the thing that they interrupt is a day of remembrance for the people, right? <laughs> right. And so, is it just like that, or is the, or is the, or is the motivation like basically more nihilistic? Like this is all useless and like their sign says stop wasting your breath
1: my my feeling is that their group the guilty remnant are doing the things that they're doing now to spread a message that this is not their function as a group they don't want all the world to take up smoking and following people they want everybody to Identify with whatever their overall belief is my feeling though is that if everybody in the world came to the guilty remnant We're like, okay, you guys convinced us through not talking and staring at us We we will buy into what you're doing that then they all immediately kill themselves, you Mm -hmm. know That that is their end goal. I don't get the sense that their end goal is You know to get people to just smoke endlessly Right. And follow other people around. That's the means to the end. Right. But again, what are they hoping to accomplish with that? Or what is their kind of theology? Mm-hmm. That That's my question. And I guess this may be an interesting transition into the theology of the show. And the fact that, I guess, a really basic question that I just wanted to get your sense on and then I wanted to talk a little bit fr- from there about something related. But would you call this a religious show? Like, do you think the one of the primary kind of uh, obsessions or um, themes of the show is religious?
0: I wouldn't say it. it has been in the first episode, but I don't see how they can avoid it, mm-hmm. you know, with the with the main thrust of the narrative being people disappearing and nobody knowing where they went and and something that I wrote down that was just kind of a thought is is that the 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 event that occurred it is more or less forced people it's it's given people a more or less tangible example of something that I feel like we sort of deal with like everybody deals with on a day-to-day basis which is kind of like this idea that nobody really knows like what this is or what happens after life life Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and it's easy to it's easy to not deal with that because we've got so many other things to do during the day but when something like this happens and people just disappear it kind of um it kind of you know just magnifies everything right um so I don't see I well you know I guess it could kind of be tied in with the with just the mystery of the disappearance itself. Like, that's not what the show... Hopefully, that's not really what the show is addressing, so they don't have to spend much time on, you know, what it believes, if that makes sense.
1: Right. I guess the one thing that I found interesting is the lack of a religious identity in the
0: pilot. Well, they did have those the scene in the bar where the TV is on, right? And it's, like, a really crappy, like... New show debate and the one was yes. like secular secular, 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 secular. And the He's other like, guy's like Bible, Bible, Bible. Bible. <laughs> it's yes. really bad.
1: Right. Well, and, and that's the other thing too is I felt like they did that even at the very beginning where all the exposition is yeah. on, on the background right. and it's turned up just loud enough for you to kind of be hearing. And it was kind of distracting um, that I was listening trying to listen to what was going on in the background and follow what was being said or written mm-hmm. i think when laurie goes to visit like the head of the guilty remnant there's something playing in the background i feel like that I was trying to listen to that was just i had to actually rewind and rewatch the the scene because mm-hmm. i was being distracted by something going on in the background well um, oh, you
0: mean when she's talking to the woman at
1: the very beginning yeah when she's writing on her pad right and she's talking to
0: um errol's wife right errol errol from true detective Oh yeah, that's his wife. Is that somebody said yeah. that? I didn't bother to IMDB yeah. it to. to make I'm pretty sure. sure it is. I mean,
1: I know it's endowed. I know it's the I, that's the yeah, actress. I think that's I her. Is that her? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so here's here's one thing that, having been somebody who's participated or been in the presence of a lot of conversations about the rapture. Yeah, here's something that I find interesting. I truly believe that um, in what in reading the book, and reading some interviews and some takes on the show, that Tom per- Perotta, mm-hmm. Perotta is not is interested in a secular rapture. I don't think that he's interested in like he's not drawing. I think from a biblical source. Yeah, but what I find interesting is that. If you take a kind of pre-tribulation rapture idea, uh, you have, biblically speaking, seven years before the supposed return of Christ, Mm -hmm. the second coming. After three and a half years of that seven-year period, period, there is supposedly a shift that happens where natural disasters start to Mm -hmm. increase and happen and the numbers of people who die exponentially increase. So here we are three years later, and part of the question too is why three years? I think that's answered in the biblical account of, I think they're using maybe the biblical account as a...
0: Like a skeleton? As a skeleton. Mm -hmm.
1: I, I don't anticipate that season two is going to be... In the midst of hurricanes and volcanoes uh-huh. and earthquakes, <laughs> that all of a sudden it shifts like that. Yeah, but I do think, and this is the other thing: the tagline that I saw in some posters is like, "The grace period is over," and Kevin is saying, "You know, people are ready to explode." Mm-hmm. Right? I think that they are teasing and hinting at a more character-based shift that's, that's going to happen within this seven-year timeline. So. I think it's interesting, and I, I'm i not confirming that this is the point, because the book doesn't reveal this, but I am interested in in if they do take a secular rapture event while using the biblical skeleton to flesh that out, mm-hmm. so following the biblical timelines. That's something that I find interesting and intriguing, just based on the things that where I come from in my background and something that I'm going to be following and I think would be interesting to update kind of in this timeline, is it significant that they chose three years in more than just like, uh, you know, it moves us past kind of the initial, you know, grief stages of it. And now we're moving into something a little more interesting versus are they actually doing something timeline related to, to a biblical Mm
0: -hmm. reference? Yeah. I don't know. I could definitely, you know, and a lot of this just goes back to lost. You know what I mean? I could definitely see it like not used significantly, but hinted at just, you know what I mean? There in the background. Just in the background is just like something else that writers are throwing in to catch somebody's Mm -hmm. attention. You know what I mean? Kind of like what it seemed like lost was doing at a certain point or just,
1: or what what about true detective? That's what I was thinking too. Right. Like,
0: like true detective. Um, but for me, the, the true detective my stronger feelings with true detective was I, I think because it's on HBO because it's so close to when true detective came out. And I know this is kind of how I was going into it. I think a lot of people maybe are expecting that like, to start like going frame by frame and finding stuff and dissecting the show and mm-hmm. i don't think that's going to be there and i don't think that's going to lead to anything significant because like i said earlier i don't think the actual disappearance is going to be that much of a of a it's just not going to be that significant to the show
1: right i i think we're, we're both okay with that
0: i yeah I, I
1: have a question too based on the reaction to this event i guess overall did you buy the the characters, different characters' reactions now, three years on, to this event? And beyond that, I want to know how they portray the kids in the show, like Jill. And A- Ashley is... Her friend? Her friend? I don't is know. It? I feel like in the book her name is Ashley. Mm-hmm. But um, how Jill and her friend are responding. So, overall, did you think that the way some of the characters were behaving was believable?
0: Yeah, I didn't really have, I didn't really have an issue with how people were behaving so much as I just felt like maybe the writing or the acting was kind of just a little, like I said, it just felt like a little stiff. It just felt kind of like uninspired maybe. Um, Until the end, or until towards the end, which you brought up at the beginning of the show with the revelation of the wife. Um, I thought that scene was really good. It worked really well for me. You didn't see I, that coming? Um, I When did I see it? I didn't see it coming, no. Not from like the beginning. But there was a certain point where I was like, this, you know... There's something you know significant between with this woman Lori or whatever. Right. Um, you I, knew she was connected to somebody right. that you'd seen before. Yeah. Um, but I thought it. I still thought it played out really well. I thought it was acted really well. Uh, uh, it and and it worked for me. The revelation did. Um,
1: what do you think of the kids? What do you think of the party scene? And how, yeah, and how I did they, want to talk about they're...
0: that. I, well, I my, my in my 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 question on that was and I think the question I have with any sort of teenage party scene at this point in my life (laughs) like you know I'm 32 I've got two kids of my own that are just babies but still like I think at this point my my question on that is is this really is like is this like a good depiction of like a high school party or is this what middle-aged guys (laughs) think their daughters are doing doing. when they go to high school parties you know what i mean yeah because it seems pretty extreme i it it is
1: and i feel like i feel like it is a little overall i do like the way that the kids are responding though yeah i do feel like at that time when you're you can't find yourself you're trying to figure out who you are to try and do that in the context of this setting where people have disappeared it would ramp up your angst, your teenage angst to 10. So I thought like the burning, you know, on the um, spin the bottle, Mm -hmm. that burning thing where the guy gets burned. Mm -hmm. I actually felt like while that was over the top, I I also felt like actually I could see that happening. Mm -hmm. I could see people being like, yeah, you know, burn me. I don't care. um, And responding that way. What I did hesitate on is like, On that spin the bottle, you know, like, you know, there's going to be that tension, right? Between Jill and her friend and her Mm -hmm. friend. And one of the options is like, go have sex. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's like, I have to. (laughs) It's like never (laughs) in history of spin the bottle do I feel like with sex on the table. Yeah, It was always like, go make out, seven Mm -hmm. minutes of heaven, whatever. Mm -hmm. I just don't imagine that people would be open to that option, even in that setting. It's like, oh, you want me to have sex with
0: whoever spins this? Sure. And even then, the the option after, the the one we see after, is is Jill choking a guy while he masturbates. It's like, that is even more extreme to me. It just is like, that is like... She is crying while doing it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. She is. Yeah, and and that's sort of where my thought of like, like... I'm watching and I'm thinking like, this just has to be like some paranoid dad thinking like, this is what happens every time his daughter daughter goes goes out. out, You know what I mean? And it's like, let's just multiply it by like five because, you know, people have disappeared or whatever. (laughs) Um, It, it, It did have that feeling, but I did, I did feel like
1: seeing them all together, I think gave Jill context. Seeing Jill outside of that setting, I felt like she could be a little overbearing in the way that any kind of angsty teenager in a show like this, I'm thinking like Homeland or something Mm -hmm. like that can just be like, oh my gosh, like Get over yourself a little bit, you know, or or is our family so doomed like this so that if I was in a if I had good intentions as a father, if this happens that there's no way I'm keeping my family together It's just you know The teenagers are gonna freak out and go and have go to parties where they're choking another kid while they yeah. masturbate, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like is that just that's just life, man, yeah. that's gonna happen or would it actually play out slightly differently? And I guess the one thing that I was feeling like, and again, you I don't think you can do this in the pilot, but where are the people who are responding maybe
0: more um real well the people not who have moved on? Yeah, and not yeah. moved on, but like the people who are coping with it, right, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. People
1: who are coping or people who are responding in a more identifiable way. Mm-hmm. Where after 9-11, what you saw was like church attendance went up. You know, patriotism went up. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like where where is that general consensus of an event like this happens? I could see you throwing yourself behind your country more, being more patriotic, you know? Or I could see yourself like upping your church attendance and just trying to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody in this show was responding in a aggressive way. Everyone was angry yeah. or really lost. And I was like, wouldn't some people have found some answers by now? Like not answers as to why, but answers enough to get them going in the day yeah, to, to make this like a, like a workable situation i feel like nobody had and again those people i guess wouldn't be interesting to follow yeah i was gonna say
0: maybe those people just aren't interesting
1: right maybe they'll come later on yeah like i want to know more about like who attended that parade yeah the family who's like i lost my dad i'm here for the parade let's honor the statue and then can i go to work please you know like (laughs) let's just
0: yeah um well let's talk about the ending real quick okay um The show ends with so throughout the course of the show, um, it's a dog. Right, it opens with the dog. Right, Uh, Kevin is running, finds the dog, the bald guy shoots Shoots the dog, Um, and
1: then and then like, here's the one thing that I want to say about the dogs really quick, and this ties into the ending. mm -hmm. The bald man shoots the dog, which is. Three feet away from the police chief, (laughs) then just silently runs into his truck, (laughs) takes off. He walks by the police chief again later on at the bar, jumps into his truck, takes off again. At the end, he shows up out of his own volition with the police chief. and He's just like, I shoot dogs because they're feral. Right. Let's go kill these dogs. And I'm like that like. Why didn't you say that at the beginning? Right. Why yeah. did you shoot the dog four feet away from the police chief and then run away? Yeah. Instead of just being like, uh, chief, those are feral dogs, like
0: you know what I mean? Like Yeah, and I think that is the sort of Lindelof school of and and what I was going to compare him to was like John Locke, right? Like if you think back to the pilot episode of, of Lost, John Locke like doesn't say any like his only scene is like him like smiling with an orange peel in his mouth right and it's like it's like this totally right. weird scene of this like bald guy right and but then throughout the course of the show like i mean he becomes a bigger player of course but like a lot of that mystery is lost and i feel like this is a guy who's just like going around hunting feral dogs and that's it but because of the way he's introduced and because of the way the show's the show ends. There's all this mystery built up around him, but I think ultimately he's just gonna be like some feral guy dog killer, the, yeah. That that shoots dogs. Like no mystery to it. Like these dogs are dangerous, so I drive around and shoot them, even if you're close by. Them. <laughs> right. But I I still really like the the ending scene. Really worked for me, and I really yeah. liked it for some reason. Um, but one thing I saw on Reddit, and I wanted to read this to you and see what you thought. And I think this is just from the general discussion thread about the first episode. Um, And so uh, uh, the user's name is CWY531. He wrote this, my take, the deer are the white cult, the dogs are the rest of society. I guess we should say the show ends with the deer approaching Kevin Right, Kevin, asking, Kevin getting out of his car, he walks up to the deer, and they're just sort of looking face to face. And he asked
1: the deer if he came into his house and right. trashed
0: it. And then this pack of feral dogs shows up, chases the deer down, and eats it more or less. Um, so he says, my take: the deer are the white cult, the dogs are the rest of the, are the rest of society. He is torn between saving the deer and helping the dogs sad to kill the dogs but know they'll run rampant if he if he doesn't intervene society will devour his wife if he doesn't step in but the cult is tearing up society i'm remembering what the twins said about nature which i don't remember what the twins yeah,
1: said yeah actually nature. actually what the twins said about nature was the one line that i did copy down i was taking just some some minor notes and this is when they're burying
0: the, the dog right that was in yeah. the trunk yeah
1: and, and and they talk about this myth urban legend oh, or whatever right. that the dogs who saw the disappearance went crazy that's and right went feral and then one of the twins was just like that's what's happening to us except it's taking a lot longer
0: oh okay i didn't wow i watched the show twice and i never picked up <laughs> really on that, you didn't line. Pick up, yeah. that
1: line was it that line i was like yeah boom that was it. like yeah number one i like the line and number two i was like that's exactly what what they're looking at with this show uh with that take when i'm trying to remember too okay kevin sees the deer one other time
0: and the when he's returning the collar when, to the lady who owned the dog that got right. shot at the beginning and and, and he's the, like in that the deer is doesn't move right and then it just disappears and then it disappears
1: right and the lady in hearing about the dog being shot he says i'm sorry for your loss and she says oh is that what it is right Which, that one to me did feel like a little... I was like, please don't let everybody be like this lady. Who's like, this guy is giving you bad news. Like, you really wouldn't be like, thanks, Chief. You know, you'd really be like, oh, I got a liner for you. you And I think
0: that, if anything, speaks to your point earlier about like, where are the people that have like... That are like dealing with it. You know what I mean? Like, this is three years later. And she's still like, is that what it is? You know what I mean? She's Uh, still like, yeah, it's just as... It was a little exactly. Much.
1: So, so I'm trying to think specifically with that. You know, the so where is that the so the idea that the deer the, represents the, deer is the, um, the guilty the, remnant, the
0: guilty remnant. So and the feral dogs are society,
1: right? So, I mean, if if he's saying that, then we have to take that previous appearance of the deer as an ex, as a further explanation of of the point. So, what would the deer be there, a, a guilty remnant, bearing witness to this other loss, maybe? Uh, a reminder of the things that are lost, that actually could hold up. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of of an interpretation, I have no problems with that one. Yeah, I I don't. I guess yeah, I guess I don't have any problems with it. I probably don't agree. I think it's a little too neat. Yeah, it seems know? a little too pat, but a, a I do like pat, it. it,
0: especially with the um encounter sort of halfway through the episode where they're doing the hero's day and the guilty remnant show up. Right. With their stop wasting your breath sign. Right.
1: And in the way that yeah, the other people respond in violence. So that, that, that makes sense. And I, I do think that he is poised in between the two, uh, as the law, right. You know, and it is interesting, his lorry being on the, in the guilty remnant too. Yeah. So, no, I, I actually do I do like that, and I like the ju- juxtaposition that they've done with the guilty remnant and society. So so I think the the show does work really well like that. Yeah. Um. Is there anything else that you wanted to say specifically about the ending? Uh, no, no. So I don't think so. I I am just going to agree with you. I I thought the ending worked worked for me. Um. Was there anything else in the show that you I wanted
0: to in? talk a little bit about? Um, just the direction of the first episode and okay. and, and Peter Berg, like putting himself in. Uh, yes, the show. I did want to talk about that. But like, how did you think it was directed? Because I I can't remember if I was reading something or if I was listening to something. But they were really excited that Peter Berg was yes. directing it. It's kind of like Peter Berg, like he's not a great director right like he has a very distinct visual style whether you you can like or not you know of like it's very oversaturated a lot of like extreme close-ups right Um, but i didn't think it was i mean i guess it looked fine um, but the I don't know why it bothered me so much when he appeared on the screen. It it bothered me
1: too because I, I do feel like he does that with everything. Yeah, that, that, that he's filmed. So again, my feeling like is why, and then he puts himself in as that security, um, holy Wayne security detail or whatever. I just don't think that he brought any. He didn't add anything to it. it yeah, you know, it's like M night. Shyamalan. That's what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna
0: say. There's like there seems to be like this There seems to be like this weird lineage of directors that appear in their own films. Right. Right. And it's like it started with I don't know who it started with but like obviously Alfred Hitchcock made a lot of cameos.
1: And and Hitchcock though would be that sly
0: little, oh that fat guy walked out of that store. Yeah. And um, you know Martin Scorsese does it a lot, of course. Right. But again, he's he's kind of the same thing where it's like
1: Taxi Driver. He gave himself. Well, yeah, both.
0: Taxi Driver. But in everything else, he had pretty insignificant roles. Right.
1: Uh, the the other one that stands out to me though, is Gangs of New York, where he plays like the I don't matriarch, even remember the, Gangs the, of the patriarch New York. of yeah. that. Family. He's just sitting yeah. at the head of an absurdly long dinner table. That's all I remember. Right. I don't think he even yeah. think he
0: speaks. But there seems to be this lineage of like great directors that have done it, like like Alfred Hitchcock, Martin Scorsese. I know like Francis Ford Coppola has like a cameo in um, Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. um, and then there seems to be this lineage of like <laughs> 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 these like hack directors that are copying them. You know, what I mean, it's so like <laughs> Peter Berg, um, M Night Shyamalan. Uh, Eli Roth is in all of his movies, right? Terrible. Um, Michael Bay makes cameos in his movies. And it's just this, like, I just feel like if you're thinking about doing it, think, like, am I Martin Scorsese? Am I Alfred Hitchcock? Then, like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. No. I'm Peter Berg. Let me, like, let me... Sit this one out. Yeah, or, or there's like
1: Mel Gibson using his hands as the hands that hold the nail that crucify Christ. <laughs> like yeah. there's that that cameo too. That right. I feel like, and I feel like is that what Berg is like is he like this material so speaks to me. I have to be in it. Yeah, I do feel like you know, if if you're directing, like just focus on directing. But I yeah. don't know. I mean, um what I will say about the direction is there were moments that I really liked, and all of them are pretty much in that extended preview. Yeah. Um. You know, I thought I thought it was adequately directed. It was. Yeah. No, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't spectacular. Some of the slow motion, I didn't get like what he was going for. Um. But no, I I thought I thought he did a he did a pretty good job. Yeah.
0: Someone pointed out like the the I think as as well as that James Blake song fits the atmosphere of the show, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, I always love to listen to James Blake during my parades. <laughs> it's, kind of like, yeah, it's a
1: little bit of an odd fit for that scene. Right. No, no, I agree. <laughs> that that did feel a little shoehorned yeah. into it. Uh but yeah, I, I didn't have any any problem with with you know the direction. It wasn't you know Again, people are comparing this to True Detective just I think for no other reason than it was the last big premiere show yeah. on HBO that was new. But I mean Kerry Fukunaga, like that was direction that from the beginning you were like, Yeah, holy cow. Like it was this worked is, into the show. Yes, yeah. this is amazing. I did not get that sense from, from Peter yeah. Berg. Um and and there is a part of me that wishes or maybe we've just been spoiled by True Detective that we could have that singular director's oh, yeah. vision. I would love that for every show. Every show. Pretty yeah. much ever going forward. Exactly. <laughs> like, here's a guy who has thought enough about, like, what he's going to do to push himself personally. It's not like Game of Thrones where you do feel like Neil Marshall's brought in, but how much did he actually film? And right. what did he have over? You know, and yeah. he's probably just go, sitting in a director chair and being like, boom, 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 boom. He's out. Yeah. Kerry Fukunaga, you, you got the sense like he craft, he knew like episode four, I'm doing the long take and over right. here I'm doing this. So it, it is missing that for me. I did want to um, transition really quickly. I guess, well, I'm, I'm trying to think about the show if there's anything else that we want to cover. I was thinking other than specific scenes in the show, maybe we could at the end, like the AV club, just like straight yeah, observation. No, that's what I have. Yeah, yeah, we could just like hit a few areas that are kind of related sure but not directly in the show
0: yeah and and before we move on to that i just wanted to say that i one thing i had read said that from this point going forward the show gets like amazing and like yeah. the, i heard like third and fourth episodes are one of those two is like a huge like you know like the episode four of true detective which is like everyone is blown away by it yeah and so and i'm I, excited for that i
1: think they've only shown four i think they gave critics screeners okay. for four okay so i, I don't think any, anybody's gone beyond there but i've heard i've heard the same thing yeah. and this one tv guy that i really like um alan Sepinwall, um he like is freaking out about the show and he's yeah. seen i think four or five episodes okay um And one thing that I wanted to say is from the interview he actually did with Damon Lindelof and Tom, uh, Parada. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Do you also want to say like overall, I mean, I would say first episode really strong. Yeah. Uh, first episode, they really could have bogged it down in the grief. They really could have, I think, um, you know, focused, on a few wrong notes and characters mm-hmm. that I think they gave us just enough of everybody. Well, and it
0: could also very easily be very melodramatic and yes. it's not, at least I don't yeah. feel like it is now at yeah. least. But yeah, I would agree with that. And I would say, you know, like I said, I w- I've watched it twice and I didn't feel like it, it really dragged at all. And that's, you know, it's an hour and 15 minutes long almost, but you know, despite any sort of negative thing that I said, I did enjoy it. I did really like it. And I'm excited for the, for the rest of the season. All right. At least for now.
1: So I guess we could do like a tennis
0: yeah round where we'll maybe I forth. hit
1: one, yeah, and you hit one. We just until we run out of stray observations. Sure. Okay. So here's from an interview with Alan um, where he asked Damon Lindelof about people's responses. You know, how do you deal with people responding to your show? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought you said something really interesting. Damon Lindelof did. He said. I found it fascinating to go down the rabbit hole as a fan on True Detective and then for me to be disappointed by Nick talking about True Detective. I really didn't want him to say while I was watching the show you're getting way too into this Yellow King stuff. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like at a kid's birthday party giving the kids cake and soda and then yelling at them for going nuts in the bounce house. So I'm going to make a real effort certainly in season to not be talking about the show at all. To not be talking about what we mean by things, um, whether we're going to follow up on things. Mm-hmm. At the same time, in the same interview, he talks about like the departure not being the point, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I just felt like it was really interesting for him to have that response to Nick Pizzolatto. Yeah. While giving an interview about leftovers, period, right. where he says anything, yeah. you know, I just thought that that was really. Interesting. And I always I wanted to know, like what your take was on like Damon Lindelof maybe saying that he was disappointed that Nick Pizzolato was like
0: yellow king stuff is just uh... well, and I think that maybe speaks a little bit what we talked about in our in, in the expectations episode where you were talking where you brought up the podcast and like Damon Lindelof and, and Carlton Hughes were on there saying all of these things about Lost that pretty much everybody wanted to hear. And then a lot of them turned out to not be true. Right. You know what I mean? So I think it's probably coming from there. But at the same time, like, I completely agree. I completely agree with what he said in theory. Um, With that being said, if I had not read those interviews with Nick Pizzolatto, I would have been extremely disappointed with the ending of True Detective. Right. I would have, like, continued to just live in that rabbit hole until the very last episode and, and been then like, what? like i would probably <laughs> head be like popped up spewing like a, bile at that show now <laughs> like
1: <laughs> I, I have this image of you being like a, in the catacombs <laughs> reading these old tomes and just being like justin come out and then like after a week you come out and you're like all crazed right. <laughs> yeah that was that's yeah. like you I, I well i think it's interesting that we live in an age where that instant feedback is there and to see a showrunner respond like nick pizzolato did where you saw him anticipate the ending yeah. and kind of before, and Damon Lindelof kind of says this, he kind of backs off. Alan Steppenwald says again, he's kind of like, I find it odd that you're getting on Nick Pizzolato yeah. because of what you, and Car- and he says Carlton Q said in lost. Right. And Damon Lindelof kind of does cop to, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, we didn't handle that correctly. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, is Damon Lindelof going to get into a true detective moment where Nick Pizzolatto, I feel like, had to come out and say that because he rightly he rightly saw where people were going with yeah. it and knew there is no way that this is going yeah, to end he, up well. He had to. Step he had in. to. So yeah. I wonder, yeah. like, and Damon Lindelof kind of says in the interview too, where he he agrees that Nick Pizzolato had to, but I feel like, is he going to get to that point where? Now he says, I'm not giving interviews while the show's going on. I'm going to try and not talk about it. But, you know, if people start getting the wrong idea or focusing on the wrong things, I would just be really interested if like episode seven, all of a sudden there's one interview and Damon Lindelof is like, it's not about the departure. <laughs> like, I just again want everybody to know it's not about the departure. Yeah.
0: And I think that, again, that speaks to maybe his experience with Lost but at the same time, like, and and this could be something like I said because of his experience with Lost and and then seeing True Detective, maybe he knows to avoid this or they've known to avoid this while filming. But like, there are things that they filmed in True Detective, like the artwork hanging on the kitchen wall right. or the artwork hanging in the bedroom that is also in the mental the mural on that mental hospital wall that you're just thinking like, if this if these have no significance in the show or Which they're not movie. going to be addressed like why are they there like having someone put uh the the cult symbols drawing on their kitchen it's wall intentional. That's it's intentional. very intentional that and that. it's like why like it just doesn't make any sense but you know maybe he he knows to avoid that so who knows it, it is definitely an interesting question like mm-hmm. you know it could become a point where it's like the departure stuff is like a fever pitch and so he's just like, or he just like sends out a tweet where he's just like, yeah, it's not about the departure. <laughs> Please stop. Yeah.
1: But, and, and really quick, I'm going to say this too. What I found interesting is in in another interview I was watching, Damon Lindelof was like, you know, the ending of Lost, which was 2010. And I was like, was it 2010? It's like, it's only four years. I'm like, Damon Lindelof oh, wow. is still like new, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I know that he's had a lot of experience before, but Lost was like... A big break for him, you know? And so I do feel like saying, you know, to pigeonhole a guy based on one show and watching one episode of this show and seeing so many people being like, I'm done with I'm tired of asking questions or whatever. I feel like saying is like, calm down, everybody. And like, this guy is still getting his professional bearings, you know? Yeah. He's got great ideas. So I am kind of interested, though, in how this kind of, Plays out, and I, I've never been as interested in like a showrunner too. Like I was interested in what Nick Pizzolatto was saying, but I am really interested to see how Damon Lindelof like yeah. deals with this show.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so I have one that after watching the show the second time, I sort of got the feeling that the and I don't think he's given a name, but the preacher that you talked about from the book, but in the in the episode the at the hero's day there's a preacher going around handing out flyers and right. saying this woman beat her kids or whatever right i kind of started to get the feeling that in the face of sort of the mayor's you know uh bulldoggedness of going forward with it despite any warning signs and being positive regardless right i kind of got the feeling that, that preacher could become like a almost like a likable anti-hero, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that's going to come to fruition. It was just something I picked up on. Um, and I wanted to sort of put my stake in the ground as saying that's a prediction I'm making. Really? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it, well, it's interesting that they make that prediction too because he's basically destroying lives right. in what he's doing, yeah. you know? Um, and I think there is that that idea that I think people around the town do, have, like where it's like, that scamp well that's what it
0: it seems like it just seems like with the mayor's attitude and the prominence of the guilty remnant and with wayne their 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 sort of uh creed being that people aren't paying attention or aren't acknowledging what happened it just kind of seems like it could i mean i guess it seems like it it, it could either go that way where he becomes this sort of like anti-hero or where he just like joins forces to use a crude term. You know what I mean? Right. Or he, you know, he could just sort of be like a the third right. sort of tip of that trident. He, he, you know he, I mean? Yeah, he
1: could play a, a role. Yeah. He could definitely play yeah. a purpose. Um, all right, here's one. Why do the guilty remnant write so big on their pads? <laughs> and I was like <laughs> the
0: writing that stuff kind of drove me crazy yeah like it, i understand they can't communicate but it just is like ugh. Well,
1: well here's i was thinking a few things number one i found it funny that they probably had to write to scale on what would work on film right you know it's like okay you yeah. need to write excellent so we can actually read it you yeah. know and then i was thinking like are they shouting at each other <laughs> like obviously Lori is kind of yeah. But like all the it's like no or whatever. Yeah, you know, no, she
0: uses an entire page, page of a legal pad to write okay. Okay. They're very wasteful. Exactly. Yeah. They're very
1: wasteful. That was the other thing. I was like, that there's another thing to add to the guilty remnant. <laughs> like they obviously don't care about the resources of the earth. You know, if they're yeah. writing filling up whole legal
0: pads with okay. <laughs> That's true. Right. Um, one thing that kind of bothered me, um, I guess it didn't really bother me that much because it doesn't happen too often. But it, I feel like it happens at the very beginning of the show, mm-hmm. and then it pops up maybe once more. Justin Throw is speaks in like this sort of like weird half New York accent, right yeah. at the beginning of the show, yeah. and then it completely disappears. Disappears. And then it shows up again briefly.
1: It's at the mayor at the um. Parade planning. Yeah, when he speaks. I yeah. Was, yeah. yeah, I was like, "What is he doing? Like, what's going on with his voice?" voice. Right. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was weird. So I don't know if that was just like that was like the first scenes that they filmed and he was trying <laughs> yeah. something out and they were just like, "No, no. more. Just that's enough.
1: We're not going to go back and film it, but <laughs> do something else with the action." Yeah. Um, after watching, um, Kevin punch his family photo, uh-huh. it did make me think of the poster again have you seen the poster yeah where he's punching a wall he's punching a wall and it cracks (laughs) yes and I was immediately like when I when I saw the poster first time I was like okay that's a little over the top I get it yeah then after he punches the family photo I'm like is this all this guy like does he punch stuff yeah like
0: is he slow Is his like story arc that he's transforming into the hulk the hulk (laughs) and just
1: punching everything i mean that to me was like that made the poster feel an, an already over the top poster feel a little more over the top where i'm like he could be doing anything else than punching a wall
0: yeah um i have two more and my I'll my I'll, I'll, the last one i'll i'll keep is, is something that i actually really liked okay but this this is something that bothered me especially the second time I watched the show when he wakes up from the dream with the deer where he hits mm-hmm. the deer and he wakes up and then he goes to Jill's room to see where she's at she has a <laughs> she has a murder by death poster' I on, saw, her door. on her door and it's like this girl does not listen to to murder murder by by death death. you know what i mean it just is like that is purely it's just like it's like the dad writing the party scene right it's just like we really want this like anti-music to be on her door so it's like murder by death right she's rebelling (laughs) right like it's like, I'm pretty sure like nobody that has anything to do with the production of the show has ever listened to Murder by Death. Right. It's, <laughs> it's
1: again, the dad's fear of yeah. the music. Right. He's like, just find me the most atonal noise. <laughs> and, and that's what we'll put up there. All right. I'll do two more because uh, I have to do what you do. Um, celebrity disappearances. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was one scene that I honestly had trouble making it through. Because, yes, it's something that I understand, but for whatever reason, Uh it really did feel like this was probably like after lunch, after the the, the writers got done writing a big, heavy, maybe that Nora delivering her speech scene. And they're like, all right, guys, let's loosen up Yeah, what celebrities (laughs) are gone, you know? And it's like Gary Busey, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal. But the Gary Busey to me felt like so on the nose. Oh, it's like a cheap shot. It's a cheap shot. Yeah. It is.
0: And, and I felt like... It's like Gary Busey makes people laugh. So we'll just put a picture of Gary Busey. Up and there. every
1: Gary Busey picture is hilarious. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just put that on there. I, I would have rather them... And I understand having that montage in there and, and it could have been funny. But like do something that affects something. You know, Gary Busey doesn't affect anything yeah. other than, oh, Gary Busey's gone. It's a gag. Yeah. But imagine Shaquille O'Neal gone. Yeah. And then the NBA. Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. imagine the next was an NBA Tonight show. Right. Where, like,. Charles Barkley like, is there
0: and he's like Charles Ernie oh. and Kenny Smith <laughs> like Shaq's just empty or <laughs> they're
1: they're they trying to fill it like who would yeah. that rotation be like right here we have our special guest Scotty right. Pippen yeah. is sitting in you know I mean that is hilarious and I was like yeah, pick celebrities that affect something that would have made it funny you know yeah, that
0: is that is something that i found it just like completely inoffensive i knew what they were going for but i think it also speaks to like the there are attempts of humor in the show that just don't work like that's one of them right the other one that could have that should have been really funny is the statue at Heroes day right right and and i didn't and again i didn't pick up on this line until the second time i watched it i think when they're doing the planning thing, when Justin throws shows up late, they're meant. someone mentions the statue and somebody is like, yeah, I heard that thing is, is horrifying, (laughs) (laughs) but the line's not given much attention and it's never really brought up again. And then when they unveil a statue, like it is pretty horrifying, but there's like, it's not filmed at all. That's, it's not like, it's not funny. It's not, doesn't bring any sort of levity. And there's like a shot, of, like, there's like a close up shot of the baby, but it's not, it's not like, it's not like bad enough to be like horrifically funny. Right. So it just is kind of like you're just looking at this bad sculpture. Right. 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 And it just doesn't like, it could have been really funny. Yeah. But it just wasn't.
1: Yeah. I, I guess that was the other thing. Like, I've heard some people complain about the lack of humor yeah. in it. And it does feel a little self important. But, for what they're doing, I and the, I guess that's what made the Gary Busey thing stand mm. out way too it was too obvious as, as like what you don't think were
0: funny. Yeah,
1: here try Gary Busey, right. you know, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, and then the last one I had was when I had heard that only two percent of the population disappeared, I didn't think that seemed like a lot. and it's it still doesn't seem like a lot. But I felt that that was. Pretty firmly addressed and handled really well with yeah. the opening sequence of yes. the of the mother losing her baby, and yeah. I just was like, especially you know as a pretty fairly new father, it's just like man, that was pretty like I actually didn't really care for the scene that much. Yeah, but I agree. It it was a little over the top, right? I right. feel like if it, if they would have just stayed on the mom the whole time, and in the background you hear like a kid yelling boy. for his dad, and yes. you hear like a car crash. Instead of cutting back and forth constantly, right. it would have been a lot more effective. If you effective. did one long take, exactly. I, think that, I think that
1: would have been really effective. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. cutting back to the boy was just like, uh, okay. Um, I, I will say this too with the 140 million, right? That's what it works out to. So yeah. it's one in 50 people. Right. I, I read another commenter who was like, that's not enough people. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to be like, it's not about the amount of people, it's right. how it happened. You know what I mean? Exactly. You could say one in a hundred, right? That would change everything. If people just disappeared, it could probably be one in a thousand and it would still be a major, major- People were
0: just disappearing.
1: Disappearing, right? So to me, it doesn't matter. In terms of the amount, I think it's perfect. One in 50 is, that's just enough, I think, where you can have situations like, you know, uh, Kevin's family was not touched. Nora's yeah. family was all gone, you know, and, and that that to me is interesting.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, I think you're right. Even if you have that, if it was just, like, 1 in 25 people disappearing, like, you're, you're probably on the verge of just, like, society just <laughs> shutting down as a whole. Exactly. <laughs> like everyone just giving up. You exactly. I mean? if, like, if, like, 1 in, you know, 4 people are disappearing, like... Like, it's over. It's Mad you know Max. I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's Mad. You're watching the road, basically.
1: I- exactly. Yeah. But, but, I mean, this is just enough that society can still function. You know, there's probably still famine going on, you know, across the world. Like, yeah. it has not solved the population problem. You know? 140 million is a lot. I, I think it's the perfect amount. I think that was really smart. Uh, the final thing I'll say, and just, I guess, to utilize the notes that I wrote down, is... People, I feel like are also I see a lot complaining about like, well, I wouldn't respond this way or this is how I feel like how you respond is so subjective. That's such yeah. a terrible thing to bring to a film or, or to a show like this. I think it's interesting as a personal reflection, but don't jump on a board and be like I would like nobody cares how you would right. respond. <laughs> That's not the point. Yeah, you know, Damon Lindelof is not wondering how. Right. How will Keith Kropko in Virginia really— He's
0: not writing you into the show, Exactly. He's not writing (laughs) you into
1: the show. So don't come at this with like this, uh, oh, it's not believable and that's not how I would respond. Stuff like that drives me crazy. Yeah, And I feel like the last thing that I guess I'd be interested just as a sign-off is in terms of fan communities, do you think this has a potential of being a really— bad fan community of people who are just full of complaints and like nitpicks of how people are responding? Or do you think this is going to be an interesting fan com- Like I would say True Detective had a, had a pretty right. good fan community. You yeah. Know?
0: And that's what I was thinking about. Um, and I, but I, again, I think what drove that community was the mystery right. was what is this show about? Um, you know, uh, uh, just the, just the core mystery of the murder mystery. And I think, you know. Searching for clues and dissecting the show is what built that community up, and I don't think this show is going to have that. So I really don't. I really can't imagine what this community is going to look like, or or what it will be. You know, on Reddit, or you know, or the you know the critics that will be writing about it. You know, and most of the critics have been positive so far. Right. But, you know, towards the end of True Detective, they had people were posting, you know, sites were like the Atlantic, I think it was, were posting like discussions between their editors. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I guess I'm sure they could do it just to get the clicks, mm-hmm. but I don't see it sort of stemming as naturally as it did from True Detective. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, it's only been the first episode and they could start tackling you know some pretty intense things mm-hmm. so we'll see um but with that we're done yeah you know um and instead of you know just uh, giving all of our details i think I'll go just, find our other podcast yeah uh, all of the details you need to get in contact with us um, if you want to email us or you know just give us your opinion on the show on the show The Leftovers, you know, share any of your theories or whatever, um, we'll be in the details to this episode, you know, our email address, website, and all that stuff. Um, and we'll both be on Reddit either, probably not posting, but at least reading stuff. Yeah. I'll reply to, I reply to a few things on Reddit. Um. I follow everyone.
1: I follow back. (laughs) (laughs) I follow back. (laughs) Like for like. (laughs) Like.
0: (laughs) Um. I don't think we ever gave our names but you know i'm justin blizzard i'm here with keith krepko, keith krepko. And like i said the details for contacting us will be in the the description of the show um and if not you can just follow us on twitter we'll sign off with just our twitter handles twitter twitter handles i'm at blizzard with nine z's
1: i might things come right but i'm soon gonna change that to twitter what'd you say Handle twitter <laughs> yeah handle twitter <laughs>
0: yeah there you go um so yeah we'll uh we'll uh read your emails and all of that and we will be back hopefully no we will be back next, uh, week. next week we'll have another episode out next uh tuesday